what we know about advice, about wisdom, about knowledge is that uh, advice, knowledge, and wisdom, they all help us overcome challenges, make good choices, and even avoid what could harm us. Here's what we also know. Wisdom is worthless without obedience. You can say the same thing about advice and about knowledge. Advice is worthless without obedience. Knowledge is useless without obedience. No matter how good the wisdom, no matter how great the advice, no matter how insightful the knowledge, it doesn't matter if we don't take action. A great blessing if you have, is if you have someone in your life who always knows what to do when you don't know what to do. As I say that, you might be thinking of a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a pastor, a friend. You don't know what to do, and they always seem to know what to do. It could be that you're stuck, you're in trouble, there's a hard decision, you feel like you take a step forward and take two steps back. And there's always, there's this person you can always call and they know what to do when you don't know what to do. Now, some of you, as you're moving into parenting, grandparenting, great-grandparenting, it's possible that you have become that person. That when someone doesn't know what to do, they call you and you help them. Someone who is, you've become someone who is available in times of need. This is the kind of relationship where you have someone who gives advice, knowledge, this you can talk it out with them and you move from confusion to clarity. Maybe you have someone in your life who's really good at reframing the problem. They don't give you the answer, but they talk the problem through, they talk the challenge through with you and you see things in a whole different way and you move from panic to peace. If you have this relationship, it's a blessing. There are some who would desire this relationship. But here's what we know. Whether you have the relationship, whether you desire the relationship, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the advice is only as good as our willingness to take action. So today we're talking about the obedience choice. The obedience choice. And, and obedience is this loaded word. Maybe you hear the word obedience and you, there's something inside of you you can't quite put your finger on it, but you like push back against even the word obedience. Why is that? What do, what do a lot of people think of when they hear the word obedience? You think of dogs. I did a news search, a Google news search for the word obedience, and these were some of the top results. Dog obedience classes offered at the obedience club of Chattanooga. They have an obedience club. The 10 breeds of dogs that are hardest to train and most likely to need expensive obedience classes. 12 most obedient dog breeds that are likely to sit and stay. Some of you are thinking, I'd like to know the dogs that are on that list. Border Collie, German Shepherd, Golden Retriever, I can give you the rest after the message. <laughs> it's, 
it's possible that because there's this link between obedience and training God, dogs or something else that we push back just at the sound of the word obedience. But what we're going to see and what many of us would say we've actually experienced in our life is that we have so much to gain when we embrace and not push away from the concept of obedience to our loving Heavenly Father. What does it mean to be obedient? Obedience is following through on commands, instructions, guidance, or restrictions. Obedience is in the following through, not just the hearing, not just the listening, not receiving the commands, the instructions, the guidance. It's the follow through. So why is it that the word obedience can still make the hair stand up on the back of our neck? Well, there's a couple different kinds of obedience and we don't want to confuse the two. The struggle and the source of so much tension and frustration in our culture is when you do not trust the one who is in authority and you are expected, coerced, or forced to comply or obey. And we see people rising up when obedience or the demand for obedience clashes with freedom or when the demand for obedience is in opposition to God's word. Obedience works best when we trust or even love the person or the authority giving us the commands, the instructions, the guidance, and restrictions. Obedience works best when it is by choice. When we understand it that way, we may have not quite thought of it in this way, but we actually know this about each other, we willingly obey those whose directions have a record of producing positive results. If dad always knows what to do, you know that when you don't know what to do, you call dad and dad knows what to do, you do what dad tells you what to do, it works out, so because of past positive results, next time you're in a difficult place, what do you do? You call dad because you know that when you obey what dad does that there is a positive outcome. Maybe, maybe there's a business mentor and they have a track record over the course of your career of providing good advice and their advice has improved your craft, it's increased sales, it's helped you to lead team members, it's helped you to reduce costs. So because you've had a past record of success when you obey that mentor's instructions, you continue, you willingly obey their guidance. If a coach has a history of producing great athletes. Athletes will willingly obey that coach's training instructions because they know if they do, they will be better on the field, the course, the court, or the rink. So today we're gonna look at messages on the concept of obedience that were circulating to the first generation of Christians after the death and resurrection of Christ. And we're going to see that there's still so much application for our life today. I'm going to invite you to uh, open with me, open up or power up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to bounce around a little bit today in the New Testament. So if you don't have time to turn every place that we're going, you may just want to jot down the verses or maybe they're there in your printed notes and you go back and read them on your own at a later time if you want to revisit. For those of us who are here today who would say that we are followers of Christ, here is a, a few questions for us to wrestle with. 
if we willingly obey people whose directions, if we willingly obey people whose directions have a record of producing positive results, why is it that sometimes we struggle in obedience to a heavenly father who has more wisdom than all the people on the planet combined? Why is it that we as followers of Christ struggle with obedience to a God who has a record of doing good for those who love him that dates back to the beginning of time? Why is it that we as followers of Christ sometimes struggle to be obedient to the God who loves us more than any person could ever love us? Obedience, especially obedience to God, is not really a culturally popular idea. What does culture prefer? Culture prefers follow your own truth. Or maybe trust your heart, follow your heart. Well, some of you who have been there and done that, you would say that the advice to follow your heart is like the worst advice you could ever receive. Because you know what it says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Most of us looking back, if we consider the moments where we wish we had made a different choice, where we wish we could have a do-over, we might even say the decisions that we regret most in our life, we would say, if I could go back and do that over again, I wish I would have done it God's way instead of doing it my way. Knowing what I know now, I wish I had been more obedient to my heavenly Father. After the death and resurrection of, of Jesus, as the early church is growing, Paul brings understanding to God's love for us in this letter that he wrote to believers in Ephesus. Because remember, we talked about how the best kind of obedience is when we choose to obey someone who we know loves us. So look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Wow. A love so great that it's impossible to understand. A love so great that it draws on the fullness of life and power that comes from God and God alone. It's a love without selfish motives. A love with no ulterior motives. So that St. Paul who helped us to understand helps us to grasp the concept of the greatness of God's love. That St. Paul, in a letter to the church in Philippi, writes this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So don't miss this. 
Because here we begin to see where the concept of salvation is woven in with the concept of obedience. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What is the result of your salvation? In Paul's mind, it's obeying God with deep reverence and fear. We don't earn God's love through obedience. We are obedient as a result of God's love for us. Obedience does not earn God's love. Obedience is the result of his love. Because you have been saved, obey the one who saved you through his son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is a restored relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus. See, our rebellion, it separates us from God. We cannot earn our way back to God by trying to be obedient to his ways because we will always fall short of the standard. Paul put it this way in the church, in a letter to the church in Galatia, and now to us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. You're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may, so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. In case you're ever wondering, can I be made right with God by obeying the law? I believe Paul makes it absolutely clear in this letter to the Galatians that's not how we are restored in relationship to our Heavenly Father. We're not restored in relationship through trying to follow the law. See, the law is God's way of living. And some people miss out, and this may have been you at a point in your history. It may be maybe how you see it today or understand it today. Some people miss out because they understand God's law as a rule book and they view Christianity as some sort of religious system of trying to be the best rule follower. And that's what Paul directly confronts. We're made right with God, thank God, by grace through faith in Christ, not by trying to be the best rule follower. Like this is not a, this is not the obedience club of Chattanooga <laughs> where we all get together and try to be the best rule followers. We are made right with God by faith in Christ, not by trying to be the best rule followers. Obedience does not produce salvation. Obedience is the result of salvation. We do not obey to earn God's forgiveness. We obey because he has forgiven us. If there are verses that I would love for you to take away from today, it really would be out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. A few weeks back, we walked through a series called Stand Firm, and we talked about as culture pulls away from God, Christ followers are challenged to be different. We want to decide to stand firm by relying on God's strength, which is a strength that is far greater than our own. We focused on what Peter wrote to Christians facing increased pressure and even 
persecution just for being Christians. Peter also wrote this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. What Peter writes here tells us that following Christ is not passive. No, it's prepare your mind for action. And don't live out of control. Exercise self-control. Stay focused. And here Peter comes to the theme that your hope, your hope is in your salvation. Your hope is not in following the rules. Your hope is not in how many friends you have. Your hope is not in how many Instagram likes you get. Your hope is not in your 401K. Your hope is not in the government. Your hope is in your salvation, which is not earned. It is given by grace. So we've already seen, threaded through Paul's letters, navigating the relationship between salvation and obedience. And here is what I would say is the key verse for today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You did not know any better then. Peter tells us this is so important to living out your faith. Live, live as God's obedient children. What great perspective. When we understand God as a heavenly father, it's been said that no title of Christians should be more precious to us than the title of children of God. In a healthy and I know there's lots of unhealthy out there, but in a healthy parent-child relationship, moms and dads want the best for their children out of deep love. Sons and daughters live their best life when they are obedient to their parents. Now, maybe this is just our house, but when the crazy escalates in our house, my wife Jennifer will often say, you know, you would be much happier. Things would go much better for you if you would just listen to what I tell you to do and do what I tell you to do. And most of the time she's talking to the kids. <laughs> Husbands, we... The sooner we realize that our wives are the voice of the Holy Spirit, the happier we will be. Your life will be so much better if you simply listen and do what I say to do. I believe very simply that that is what our Heavenly Father is trying to tell us. Your life will be so much better if you simply listen and do what I say to do. See, the enemy would like to convince us, and sometimes we can convince ourselves, that to be obedient will somehow limit our best life. An outsider looking in might think that there may be some good to following Christ, but if I really go all in on following Christ, that means moving into some sort of contained space. I love what pastor and author Chip Ingram says. 
speaking about how he understood God before he became a follower of Christ. He says, I grew up thinking that if it's fun, God says no. Then after he made a decision to follow Christ, Chip Ingram talks about how he came to understand God's way of living, God's law as guardrails. So I'll take that thought and say that God's laws are like guardrails on an Oregon mountain road. Our family has lived in Oregon now for a year and a half. We've had an opportunity to take some amazing drives through the mountains and along the coast. And we know that we've just scratched the surface of this beautiful state. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful places in the whole wide world. If you've lived here your whole life, I hope you still see that sometimes. This is one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. Our kids don't get as excited as we do when we're driving. Like, kids, look at that. It's amazing. Like, want to watch their tablets. It's like you go around one corner. That could be a postcard. You go around another corner. That could be a postcard. But even if you've been here your whole life, you're driving on these mountain roads that wind and turn, you're thankful for the guardrails. Because the guardrails tell you what? That on the other side of the guardrail is danger, that you're going to get hurt. It could be devastating if you were to go to the other side of the guardrail. So the guardrails are there on purpose. Not to try to limit you or to hold you back, but to protect you from doing things that are going to be devastating to you. And we don't drive on Oregon mountain roads or along the coast like driving into the guardrail. Oh, didn't go down that time. Let's try this guardrail. Smashing into the guardrails. No, we keep a distance from the guardrails. We don't brush up against them constantly seeing, well, I didn't, I didn't die last time, so let's try it again. We keep a distance from the guardrail. We know that on the other side of the guardrail is danger. Guardrails either protect us from a steep cliff or from a rock wall. Peter writes, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You did not know any better then. And some of us can relate to that. Peter writes, don't slip back into your old ways to satisfy your own desires. See, the, the decision to become a follower of Christ, it's really not a decision to move from disobedient to obedient. See, we're all obedient to something. If Peter writes, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires, before Christ, we're obedient to what? We're, we obey our selfish desires. The decision to follow Christ is not a transfer from disobedience to obedience. The, tra- the decision to follow Christ is a transfer of our obedience. To follow God is to transfer obedience from our desires to his desires. Obedience is a choice. And it's not a one and done choice. Those of us who've been followers of Christ for years or even decades, we know that it's a decision. The decision to be obedient is a decision that we remake every day. I wake up today. I'm going to decide, am I going to be obedient to the 
God's ways today or am I going to try to do it my way and experience the consequences? Obedience is a decision to surrender my way for God's way. Obedience is a decision to trust what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Obedience to God is a move away from self and a move toward surrender. So what are some examples of obedience? Being obedient. We'll look at the Ten Commandments. You must not have any other God before me. You must not make for yourself an idol. And both of those commandments would reference putting something in the position of God that's not God. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Moms and dads love the next one. Honor your father and mother. I actually got an amen in that for the early services, earlier services. Honor your father and mother, and there's a promise that comes with this commandment. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house, wife, servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to them. What are some examples of, of obedience? Look at what Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine before others. Live your faith publicly. Settle your differences quickly. Don't look at women with lust in your heart. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Forgive those who sin against you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Life is best lived when we embrace Jesus' teachings as directives and not suggestions. James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes this, James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. And James says, for if you listen, remember that at that point in world history that it was much more about oral tradition and hearing. Now we would, could also say reading because we read the word. For if you listen to the word or read the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now James writes at a time in history where the only way that you could see yourself is in the mirror. There was no selfies. And to listen to the word and not take action, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror, walking away and forgetting what you look like. I want you to imagine parents, grandparents, watching one of your children or grandchildren go into the bathroom in the morning after they've just woken up. They've got their pajamas on. Their hair is a mess. Their mouth smells like a trash can. Somehow they have Cheetos stuck in their teeth, boogers, snot in their nose. They smell like soccer practice. They go into the bathroom, and they come back out 30 minutes later, 
and nothing has changed. And you'd say, well, what were you doing in there for 30 minutes? Well, I was, I was looking at myself in the mirror. And you might say something, well, was there anything about what you saw in the mirror that prompted you to want to take action? What do we teach our children beginning very early on? We teach them to take action based on what they see in the mirror. You take action based on what you see. Your hair is a mess, you fix your hair. Cheetos in your teeth, you floss, brush your teeth. Smell like soccer practice, you put on deodorant. Shower first, right? That's right. See, that's not, we also have hygiene uh, takeaways today. So James makes this comment about it would be foolish to look in the mirror and then forget what you look like. And then he says this, James chapter 1, verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, which is God's way of living, if you look carefully into the perfect law that does what? It sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, the mirror is for the outside. We look in the mirror and we take action based on what we see. The mirror is for the outside. God's word is for the inside. And we all know that a good-looking exterior can hide a messed-up interior. James writes, when you allow God's word to be planted in you and grow into action, then you experience freedom. And you're going to be blessed. And blessed very simply means to be connected to God. As we started this conversation today, maybe you can relate or you would be the kind of person that you just hear the word obey or obedience and there's something about the word that just makes you feel weird. But as we've unpacked it and we've under, we understand that there's different kinds of obedience and the kind of obedience that we push back against is obedience that is coerced or forced to try to get us to do something that is against God's way. The type of obedience that we many of us would say we've grown to embrace is obedience that is offered willingly to people who we know love us and give us directions, advice, and guidance because they want the best for us. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we embrace obedience to a loving Heavenly Father who loves us more than any person will ever love us and who has more wisdom than all the people on the planet combined. Some of us have been thinking about decisions that we wish we could do over again. And it's not about living looking back because we can't do anything about the past. But it is about looking ahead and saying, okay, now the more that I read God's word, I have greater understanding of guardrails that he's put in place. 
not to hold me back, but actually to set me free. Because the guardrails keep us from destructive things that are going to hold us back or keep us from the best that God has for us. And when we see guardrails as God wants us to see them, God's laws, that's when we live our best life. That's when we experience the greatest outcomes. So maybe God has been speaking to you about a specific situation. Maybe there's an area of your life, you'd say, I'm a follower of Christ. But there's been an area of my life where, to say it out loud sounds messed up, but if I really am honest, what's been happening is, I know there's God's way of doing this. But for way too long, I've been trying to convince myself that my way is greater than God's way. And you know that you know that you know that it's like ramming against the guardrail. And we can convince ourselves, well, I ran, I ran up against the guardrail before, nothing happened. I ran it up against it again, nothing happened. But we know, many of us from past experience, that if we keep hitting the guardrail, that eventually it's not going to turn out well. So instead of continuing to move in the gray areas, your heavenly father may be saying, move back into the lane that I have for you. And it may not make sense to others around you. It may not be the popular choice. But at the end of the day, you're going to be thankful that you chose to do it his way. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today. Father, we're thankful for your word, Old Testament and New Testament, that is filled with content that helps us to understand you and your character. Through your word, we understand your ways and we understand the why behind your ways. Father, thank you for the times that you've spared us from our own decisions. Father, some of us would say that we've experienced consequences and we didn't like it at the time, but we're thankful because as a result, it helps us to understand the why of your laws and your ways. Father, you know the one who's here today and you've spoken something very specifically to their heart where they have tried to convince themselves that their own way is somehow greater than God's way. Father, forgive us for any moment in our life when we think that we know better than you. Father, help each one of us. And we also be guarded from ever thinking that we've arrived, that we've got it completely figured out. So no matter where we are in our faith journey, Father, help us to move away from self and move in the direction of surrender. Father, in increasing measure, 
Help us to move away from obedience to our selfish desires. And Father, move us in the direction of being obedient to your desires. Because we know that the days of this life are precious and few. And we want to maximize the days that you've given us. We say thank you, Father. We can think of no one else who we would rather be obedient to than the heavenly Father who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins that separate us from you. The greatest act of love the world has ever known. Because of that outpouring of love for broken mankind, there's no one else, Father, who deserves our obedience more than you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name.